Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Cut Talk Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. As always, I'm recording this on a Saturday, August the 20th, right on, right after Alexander Usyk's victory over Anthony Joshua. So I'm pumped up. I'm feeling like a Ukrainian right now. Uh, if you guys didn't watch the match, this is probably going up on Monday. So you probably should have watched it. If you didn't, then this is your announcement that Usyk beat Joshua for the second time. Unanimous decision. For those of you that don't give a fuck, then... Uh, all that information was just useless. But again, thanks for tuning in. I appreciate everybody who uh, watches the podcast as always or listens to it. Rather, uh, today's going to be a short one. We're just going to cover a couple of topics, a couple of things in the news right now. You know, the news is full of and I had this discussion earlier with uh, with Ivana and cousin who you guys know from previous episodes. But I was just talking a little bit about how uh, how in an attempt to research some interesting topics for the podcast, I've come to somewhat of a conclusion that a lot of the news media is pretty much just propaganda and it's it's painful to read. And I think that's why people are really turned off by the idea of reading articles in length and instead they stick to the headlines because it's a headache just to read some of this stuff. And I noticed that a lot of uh, websites are very biased in the way they report. You know, you got right-wing media that pretty much uh, points out everything the left does incorrectly to an exaggeration and the left is no innocent to that. They also do the same thing. They go and play off of the emotions of uh, more liberal, I guess, people you could call them. Uh, and it's it's really at the dismay and the distraught and the destruction of the people who read this type or who should read this, which are the regular everyday viewers. And, uh, you know, it's just it's fascinating how we pay such little attention to something that's so important, especially when it comes to uh Media, you know, media is essentially propaganda now. And what's not propaganda is a bunch of stupid shit. And, uh, yeah. By the way, you know, again, like I said, we're having a fight tonight. I just want to get that little idea out the way. But we are uh, UFC 280 something or the other is uh, going on tonight. So getting ready for that. You know, I'm pre-gaming with a sandwich. Because, you know, the thing about fat people is we pre-game with food. So if you ever get invited to a pre-game with fat people, just know uh, there's probably going to be a sandwich or some sort of uh, food within arm's length. It's just the way we roll. We can't uh, deal with low blood pressure and things of that nature. You know, borderline diabetic stuff like that. You you know what's wrong with fat people. They're, they're going to die. No, I'm just kidding. They're not. Uh, hopefully, one day we... Uh, we take care of fat people more instead of, uh, and I'm fat myself, so I can say this. And yes, I'm one of those self-loathing fat people who hates other fat people. No, I'm just kidding. Now I got love for everybody out there going through things, but uh, you know, when it comes to uh, losing weight, much like a lot of things in life, the first step is <clears throat> admitting the problem and then uh, mapping out a solution. You know, which is what we don't do in today's society. We uh, we point out the issues. But we don't necessarily, uh, we don't necessarily come up with a a well thought out, much like this podcast. It's not well thought out at all. It's a freestyle off the head. Is how a lot of people think nowadays. So you know, it kind of goes in line with society. Just the fact that this is uh, you're watching the human brain at work here. Uh, as much as it's working, you know, I've lost a few uh, blood cells or brain cells, as you can tell, in my years, but. Uh, moving on. So yeah, speaking of fat people and uh, change, Wendy's is pulling lettuce from their sandwiches amid an E. coli outbreak, which is something that we've uh we've actually seen a few of these Chipotle not too long ago. Uh, in the in the bag salads, pre-made bag salads not too long ago again, 
And I wonder how this E. coli keeps getting into the vegetables. Maybe I'm missing something. Maybe there's something I don't know. Maybe E. coli naturally forms in vegetables better. But from my understanding, E. coli comes from things like uh, raw chicken and uh, eggs and things like that. So uh, it's just interesting to think that it's spreading into, you know, like let's say, for example, you're a vegan. And I have a vegan friend, and he always complains about this. But, uh, you know, hey, I'm, I can see his point a little bit. He'll say how a lot of food that claims to be vegan is actually cross-contaminated with beef products and animal products. So uh, it makes sense, especially with these outbreaks. But like I said, there might be something I'm missing. So let me read this article. So uh, this is coming out of Columbus, Ohio. Fast food chain Wendy says it's pulling letters from sandwiches in its restaurants in Michigan, Ohio, and Pennsylvania after people eating them there report falling ill. First of all, we have to ask these people, have they ever ate lettuce before in their life besides from a Wendy's? Something tells me that the answer is no. I don't know. It's just a sneaking suspicion. The CDC and prevention... Oh, my bad. The CDC said Friday it is trying to determine whether romaine lettuce is the source of an E. coli outbreak that has sickened at least 37 people and whether romaine used at Wendy's was also served served or sold at other businesses most likely the way people buy things you know <clears throat> you have a one one or two farms that are suppliers for certain areas things like that you know in california a lot of our stuff comes from up north uh because that's where a lot of the crops come from the cdc said one person was also sickened in indiana a message was left with the wendy's about lettuce on sandwiches in that state the CDC said there is no evidence that romaine sold in grocery stores is linked to the E. coli outbreak. The agency also said it is not advising people to stop eating at Wendy's, nor not to eat romaine lettuce. You see, I'm reading this live, so this is as funny to me as it sounds to you, you know. Wendy says lettuce used in its salads is different and not affected by its decision to pull lettuce from sandwiches. The company said it's cooperating with the CDC. As a company, we are committed to upholding the highest standards of food safety and quality Wendy's centers. Wendy's is one of those uh, fast food places where it is a little bit better than, you know, you could get away with feeling like you ate something somewhat decent at a Wendy's versus a McDonald's or a, or a Burger King. You know, this is hilarious how they say uh, uh, two funny things here. This agency is saying it's not advising people to stop eating at Wendy's nor to eat romaine lettuce, nor not to eat romaine lettuce. So, is it a problem or is it not a problem? And where is this lettuce? Did this lettuce come from? I mean, I, and it's saying it's lettuce used in salads is different from the lettuce used in sandwiches. Another interesting thing to point out there. I mean, why are you using two different sources for salad and I mean, for lettuce in the salad versus lettuce in the sandwich? Again, something only fat people think about. But this is an interesting question. What is the reason behind that? Isn't that less cost efficient than just buying all the letters from one place i don't know maybe maybe there's uh some discrepancy there but just know if you're ever eating at wendy's the lettuce from the sandwich is different from the lettuce at the sal in the salad and for some reason at these particular wendy's only the lettuce in the sandwich was contaminated which is interesting because uh Again, you would assume that they would just buy their entire lettuce stock from one place, but for some reason they're not coming from the same place, therefore not all of the lettuce is affected. But then it begs the question, is there not some sort of cross-contamination going on there, like I stated previously, which, uh, 
logically would make sense if the if E. coli is a bacteria. So if the bacteria is in one vegetable and the vegetable is put in prep storage with the rest of the produce and everything else, the meats and all that, it, it can be assumed that they would hop over. But I guess not. I don't know. I'm not a nutritionist and I'm not an outbreak expert. So apparently somehow they've been able to contain this outbreak into romaine lettuce only on the sandwiches. Again, that's pretty weird if you ask me. But uh, the second joke in this article is that Wendy's upholds their high standards for food safety and quality. I mean, you know, again, this podcast comes to you live from uh, the hood. So even in the hood, Wendy's is uh, pretty nice. You know, it's pretty... uh, upbeat i mean every once in a while you'll get people in there fighting or someone complaining that they didn't get enough bacon on their baconator or something like that but <clears throat> you know overall wendy's is a pretty much uh somewhat of a higher quality of food fast food you know back when they had the four for four again the fat rent back when they had the four for four that was the go-to spot you know you uh go out late night have a good time and then uh, stop by the Wendy's for $4 with some change. You could get you uh, a full meal. You know, you had to be there. You really had to be there. And, of course, with inflation, like everything else, they ruined it. And now it's like $6 or something like that, you know. And uh, people don't take kindly to those types of changes. And, uh, yeah, you know, again, like I said, as a fat person, I could talk about the history of fast food and specials and things like that. But we won't make this episode about that. We'll just cover that one and keep it going. Uh, so... Just to get a little bit more serious, which is uh, kind of uh, strange in a way. You know, it's kind of strange when you move left and right. But that's what this uh, podcast is about. It's about disorganization and chaos because we, uh, how do I say it? We operate with that chaotic mindset. So we put that upon the audience and hopefully the audience enjoys it. And uh, I think a lot of people can identify with that chaotic thinking where you're, you know, maybe it's just the ADHD of this podcast, but at the same time, we um, we like to switch topics and keep you guys guessing. Um, but there was a case recently, you know, and if you're eating, you might want to switch this. There was a case recently where a man in Germany was uh, diagnosed with monkeypox. The story goes that he was diagnosed with monkeypox and... Uh, or he had these blisters on his face and a red nose, sort of like Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer. And then he goes to the doctor. The doctor says uh, it's a sunburn. Two days later, the guy's got a black nose and bumps all over his face and uh, private areas. And I'm reading this from the article. And uh, the guy tests, does a monkeypox test and ends up getting... Or finding out he not only has monkeypox, but he also has syphilis and HIV. Which, I mean, the picture on this is pretty nasty. I'm not going to put it up or anything. If you want to look for it, just know the picture's pretty disgusting. This guy's nose looks like you could just rip it off. It's uh, pretty sick. But uh, it's interesting, to say the least, how much attention this specific... Uh, I don't know what you would call it, disease, virus. I don't know what to call these things anymore. Again, I'm not a a pathologist, virologist, not a doctor. I'm just a guy with an opinion. And um, I don't know if you ask me, it seems weird that that they're deciding to focus, uh, sensationalize this uh, monkeypox things. 
There's a lot of headlines. 87 monkeypox cases so far in Minnesota. And again, a lot of uh, a lot of these cases are coming from a. It seems like, statistically speaking, a selective group of individuals. So it may be a disease linked to sexual transmission, much like HIV and syphilis. But in this guy's case, I would really say that I think the HIV is what did him in. You know, the human immunodeficiency virus, I think that's what it is. Having a weak immune system is never good. Having monkeypox on top of that and syphilis beating your ass at 2 and one is even worse, it seems like. So, uh, I don't know. I don't know what to call this one. I mean, it's it's really, it's really just a display. I think it's fear tactics. They're trying to scare people. Uh, you know, there uh, some people are calling it a homophobic disease because people are pointing out how it's affecting the gay community widely. I mean, f- statistics are statistics, right? If you're just pointing out the numbers, I don't think that's an opinion at all. That's not an idea. That's more of a fact, you know. But what are facts anymore, right? I always talk about this. What are fa- What does a fact matter anymore? If somebody says something and they feel that way, then it's a fact. Apparently, you know, forget about the years, thousands of years of science and the advancement of technology and, you know, the evolution of the human brain and things like that. And, you know, we're not smashing each other over the heads with rocks anymore. We have the capability to think now. But why think when you can just feel a certain way and thrive off your emotions? You know, this is an interesting topic because uh, when you when you say anything you're no longer being contextualized. You're being taken out of context. It's like reading a book from the 1800s and not understanding that it was written in the 1800s. When you uh, remove somebody's intention from their words or remove the tone from the words, then you're taking away an entire dimension of the statement. And I think that's what we're, we're kind of falling into little by little this Society, we're already there, really. It's not even about what's happening or what's going to happen. It's what we're living in today. And today we're living in this society where where people bring feelings to a fact fight and they bring emotions, which is the same thing, to a logic fight. And uh, I think in some situations, uh, sensitive topics especially, most the emotions and the feelings tend to win. And when you allow that type of behavior to happen, it's a danger to society as a whole. The instability of ideas is what leads to a lot of issues in history. When people start to dismantle the status quo, take away the norm with no viable replacement, then that's when you see a lot of chaos, a lot of uh, anarchy, things like that. So-called revolts, so-called revolutionary people mostly self-proclaimed uh a lot of, uh, everybody wants to and th- i guess this podcast is a, somewhat of a testament to that i'm not denying it everybody wants to speak nobody wants to listen you know and i try as an individual i'm no better than anybody else so i try my best to listen and a lot of the times when i'm listening i hear things that don't make sense and when something doesn't make sense instead of absolving my logic and not using my brain i use my brain 
and utilize my logic. And common sense is a real thing. And I think people tend to fight their common sense. They know how they feel truly, but they choose to subside that in order to bring out this side of them that they feel might be more accepted in terms of ideology. And that's dangerous because, you know that saying, if you if you don't stand for anything or you stand for nothing, fall for anything. But if you stand for hollow ideology, it'll also you'll also fall for anything. Because if your ideology has no foundation in it, then you can be convinced about anything. You're just a sheep waiting to be hypnotized. You're just a mind waiting to be manipulated. And right now, I would say the extreme progressives are winning in terms of policies, in terms of any time any type of debate comes up, there's a, there's a tactic. In, you see, in debate, what you do is you use facts, you back the facts up, and then you allow the people to decide. There is no true winner or loser in a debate because that's subjective. Somebody can win in someone's eyes. Another person can win in another person's eyes. The beauty of that situation is that the debate was had and people can take from the, the debate uh, facts that they maybe reaffirm what they were thinking, maybe align with their ideology, and therefore they decide the winner in their own respects. But what we lack today is debate and conversation. The first tactic in a conversation nowadays is shut them down cancel these people and I'm not speaking you see because I already know I'm aware of how these things work so when you say anything like that people automatically try to attach you to something oh he's a Trump supporter uh, all right uh, whatever you know oh well do you support this do you support that instead of attacking your ideas and your words people try to assign you to an evil they try to give you some characteristic of evil. And um, the truth is that people are inherently, I would say, fickle. And we, for some evolutionary purpose, we need to be. Because although we can hold tightly onto certain ideas in terms of morals, in terms of right and wrong, another subjective topic... Ideologies evolve over time And unless the people do with them Then we get stuck in this ideological war Where ideas should be one of the things That we get out of the way right away You know when scientists have a theory They test the theory Put it to the test And instantly come up with the Okay well either the theory Has some validity to it So we test it further Or we completely demolish the theory At its core Because it has no roots it has no foundation. Now what we have is in the society, people create ideas arbitrarily like anything else. Everything in this world is arbitrary. The only reason we have a, a language, the reason why you understand the words that are coming on my mouth is because we arbitrarily decided to form a alphabet with 26, 28 letters. I don't know. It's been a while since I was in elementary school. And we made words with those idea or with those letters we built words with those words we gave them definitions all arbitrary up to today and even to today even today moving forward everything we do is arbitrary the stru the illusion of structure comes from 
the chaos that would ensue if we had no structure. So the only reason people follow the status quo and say certain things is because the result without it is chaos. And in some places, especially I know in my community, chaos is already happening. People already abandon what's right or wrong, good or evil. Uh, people don't fight over ideas. They just do what benefits them. They're opportunistic by product of the, the system, you know, the system of capitalism, which promotes you buying things that are nice and the only way to buy things is to make money and not everybody sees money the path to money being getting a job some people find shortcuts in the system whether it be legal illegal who na you name it you know the point is that people are making money in order to support their capitalistic lifestyle and whether that's good or bad i don't know it's just what it is so, going back to the ideological thing, again, the English language is arbitrary. The letters of the alphabet are arbitrary. All the words we came up with, completely made up by our own brain. Trying to figure out the human mind is like trying to get an ant to understand what an ant is. It's very difficult, and it requires more than one perspective, if possible at all. I was thinking today, you know, I was at work. Cause I work like a like a good American, you know, f paying Uncle Sam his taxes and all that good stuff, you know. IRS don't come for me, but uh, and this is gonna be the last thought of today's podcast. But I just had this thought where I was thinking to myself because I work somewhere where there's a lot of people from different nationalities, different countries. And oftentimes I'll run into people and have a conversation. I'll say, uh, good morning, good afternoon, how are you doing? Sometimes they reply, sometimes they don't. Sometimes if they notice that I'm a Spanish speaker, they'll try to speak to me in Spanish. A lot of different reactions from different people, different backgrounds, completely different, right? There's no one way to treat a human. People come from different societies, different cultures. People treat each other differently, city to city, state to state, and of course, country to country. But I had this thought where I said, uh, I thought about reading another language. Doesn't matter what the language is, it just wasn't English. And I noticed how little sense it made. And then I put myself in the shoes of somebody who didn't speak English, and I thought to myself, how little sense English would make. And that's the thing about language. The language only makes sense when you can interpret it. The only thing that's universal within humans is the understanding of what it means to be a human in terms of fundament fundamentability or I don't even know if that's a word I might see I might have just made that word up but it sounded good so add it to the dictionary and give me credit but essentially we all wake up we all breathe the same air we all know we have to drink water if we want to remain hydrated some people don't drink water that's fine we have to drink some liquid to stay hydrated we have to eat some food to stay alive. And if you stay in too long, you get pale. If you go out enough, you get sunburned. Somewhere in the medium is a healthy human being. I mean, not not healthy. Some people just get sunburns easily. Some people get pale easily. That's besides the point. What I'm saying is that we all know that there's a certain rubric that we have to fit in order to survive as a human being. Everything else is all arbitrary. So if it's... If it's like Plato and we can choose what it is, then we should always choose the best outcome. Instead of fighting over ideas that are completely irrelevant to being a human, people should fight over things that 
or not even fight, but people should come to conclusions because all we do is fight. We never come to a conclusion. So think about what you say and think about how somebody else would interpret it who wasn't speaking your language because the language gets tricky sometimes. And people get caught up using words that they don't even really care for. They're just, they think that the word represents something. But remember that language is arbitrary and deep down what you feel in your heart is reality. So with that, you guys already know in the bottom left, in the cut global, on everything, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. If you're watching this, you know it's on YouTube. Please leave a like, comment, subscribe. Thanks to everybody who's been listening so far. And we got plans for the future. Some guests lined up. Hopefully you guys will enjoy those. And thanks to everybody who's been listening. Take it easy and peace.